Everybody say, now faith. See, that is the goal for this year. That is our word for this year, now faith. And it's going to make sense. If you, if you missed last week, we'll have it up. Uh, I apologize. I started a, a, a no, another new job uh, <laughs> on Monday, and so it's been a little crazy. Um, and so we will have last week's up uh, today and this week's up today as well so that everybody can catch up because uh, we had technical difficulties with no internet last week, which was so fun. Um, and so uh, we will have all of the sermons updated uh, uh, this week and get it up online on Apple, uh, let's see, Apple Music, our Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Amazon, and our website. Those, those are the four places you can look at our sermons. And so, uh, but God gave me that word, now faith, in October when I was sitting outside just uh, kind of getting everything ready for uh, this year and just kind of planning it out. And God said, listen, this year we're going to focus on now faith. I believe that this is the year that we're going to take our faith up a notch. How, how many want to take their faith up a notch? Man, I want to believe for more. I want to believe better. I want to believe stronger. I want to believe that God is the God of the word that he says he is. And I want to believe that he can do it not just for everybody else. And this is key. Because I think it's really easy to believe that God can do something for somebody else. But man, when we say, what about for you? You're like, well, I don't know. I've seen God do it for others, but I don't know if he's got enough in it to do for me. And so I believe that this is the year that your faith is going to be taken up a notch, where we learn to lean into God a little bit more, where we learn to learn a little bit more, to trust and follow him a little bit more. I want to see people that are, and here, here little play on words, that are faithful, okay? I don't want you to be half full of faith. I don't want you to be somewhat full of faith. I don't, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to get to February and be like, oh, January was really great, but man, I don't know if I've got enough in the gas tank to keep going. I want to see people that are faithful, and I want to see a church that is full of people that are faithful so that we can live faithful. Amen? Because faithful people are full of faith. People that are faithful to a God that has already been faithful from generation to generation, they are built in faith. Now, where do we get this, right? So, Because it's not just about what fancy things I can say or, or how I can make you believe and get you excited. It's got to be bound in the uh, word of God, amen? And so uh, our scripture that has uh, foundationally set us for this series is Hebrews 11.1, and it says, now faith. Now, I believe there should be a comma right after faith because I want us to focus on the fact that it says, now faith. I don't need faith of years ago. I don't need my mom's faith or my faith or my grandma's faith. I don't need Moses's or Paul's faith. I need now faith. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That is a biblical definition of faith. It brings our hopes into reality, and it becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It's all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So let me give you a few definitions, um, because I love definitions, right? Uh, if you don't know that yet, I will give you definitions for days, okay? Um, it helps me help you help me help it, okay? So a couple of definitions. What is the definition of, because here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about crazy faith. <laughs> Some of y'all are going, oh God, what church did we walk into today? 
Some of y'all are thinking, where's the Lord? The Pentecostal in him's going to come out, right? <laughs> you are like, crazy faith? All right, crazy. Some of y'all are going, well, I know what crazy is, okay? Um, <laughs> all right, crazy. The definition of crazy, not mentally sound, marked by thought or action that lacks reason. Some of you are thinking of somebody right now. Stop it, okay? Insane, impractical, erratic, being out of the ordinary or unusual. That's the definition of crazy. Now, we have a working definition of faith that we started last week. The working definition of faith is this. Faith is trusting in something you cannot explicitly prove. I love that definition of faith. It is something that you cannot explicitly prove. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, as we progress this morning because that's very important. Faith cannot be something that you can prove because if, it, if you can prove it, it's not faith. Okay? If you can 100% say without a shadow of a doubt that it is something, you don't need faith to believe it, right? I can say this is a shoe. Why? Because you can see it. I mean, anybody, if anybody wants to question if this is a shoe or not, I'm going to question if they're crazy, okay? It's a shoe. So, so there's no faith to, to believe that this shoe is a shoe. So it's got to be something that you can't 100% explicitly prove. Now, what, what happens when you take those two definitions, you put them together, you get crazy faith. And this is what you get. You get a working definition for crazy faith. And it is this. Crazy faith means thoughts and actions that lack reason, but trusting fully in what you cannot explicitly prove. Keep that up there for them real quick because I I see people wanting to take pictures and and jot that down. So crazy faith means thoughts and actions that lack reason, but trusting fully in what you cannot explicitly prove. You may say, well, Pastor Scott, that just seems a, a little nuts. Okay, well, Let's, let's, let's visit our buddy Noah again like we did last week. It was a little nuts when God said, hey, check this out. Check it out. Mm, it's going to rain. Cool. Build a big boat. Awesome. Check. Her, grab all the animals two by two. No matter of fact, I'm just going to bring them to you. Check. Gather as many people as you possibly can to put on that boat. Okay. Let's start over. God, what is rain? <laughs> Remember, it had not rained ever. The, the Bible says that the dew came up from the ground and, and, and made all the vegetation grow. So, so here's God explaining, it's going to rain, it's going to flood. And Noah's like, check, check, check. But what's rain? What's a flood? What's a boat? So crazy faith is going, okay, let's build a boat for rain that's going to come, for a flood that's going to happen that I've never seen. And so Noah starts to, could you imagine the first time he chopped down a tree and somebody said, hey, Noah, what you doing? Building a boat. Hey, he's building a boat. What's a boat? Noah, are you building a boat? It's going to rain. This man's lost his brain. What is rain? Could you imagine, like, hindsight 2020 for us as believers, it's really easy to childrenfy the story of Noah. Get the felt board out. <laughs> ah, yeah, some of you going back to Sunday school, right? Felt board out with the little boat, little Noahs and giraffes, and it's sticking its head out the, the boat. But this was a real man that had to explain to a whole people, God is going to come down and wipe us all out. You got to get on the boat. Guess what? They said, he crazy. It wasn't faith until it happened. Hmm. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by believing and not by seeing. 
In other words, the Bible has always been countercultural, and uh, we're kind of in a phenomenon now where we want our culture to line up with Scripture, or maybe actually vice versa. We want our Scripture to line up with culture. Well, you know, those old school Bible thumpers, I get it, but, you know, times have changed, Pastor. We, we, we think differently now, Pastor. We're, we're, we're more edumacated, Pastor. I think education is a great thing. There's too many teachers in the room to say otherwise. I do not want to get beat up afterwards, okay? But, but I think there is a level of education that can actually stop us from wanting to believe. I want to see it. Make it work. Write it out for me. Show me the scientific formula. Show me the mathematic formula. Show it out in an English uh, whatever because I was horrible at that. Um, I don't know if it's pretense, post-tense, past-tense, or a-tense, okay? Uh, but, but, here's the thing. I don't want to get so educated that I stop believing that God is real and that God is able to do things because it sounds crazy. Oh. God can't kill, heal cancer. Why? Well, because that's up for doctors to do. Well, my God says he is the great physician. He's the one that gave every, every doctor and every medicine and every chemist and every person the brain to put those things together to help heal you. So whether God heals you spiritually, uh, supernaturally, or whether he heals you by the hand of a doctor, in my eyes, it's still God if you're praying for it. See, it's, it's a perspective shift of who and what God is and who is the ruler and, and what our faith is. Our faith is not in a what, it's in a who. So my faith isn't in what he can do for me and how he can do things for me and what he can provide for me. My faith is in who he is. So I don't, look, if I'm rich, I'm rich. If I'm poor, I'm poor. But my faith is still in Jesus. It's only crazy until it happens. Think about it. It's only crazy until it happens. It, <laughs> I know I beat a dead horse sometimes. Moving to Camden was crazy. Can, can, can we all get an amen? Like, like, listen, like, you may live here. I'm not trying to say Camden's crazy. But I'm saying when you live in California and you live in a town of 90,000, you got everything you ever wanted inside that city. When you've got friends of over 10, 15 years plus, when you've got a home church that is not trying to get rid of you, and God says... Move to Camden. I felt like Noah. God, let's start with, what is a Camden? <laughs> like New Jersey? Camden, Arkansas. Oh, what's a Camden? <laughs> well, actually, you know, if you ask, <laughs> uh, some people in my family were like, I forgot Arkansas was a state. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. We love our state now. We love being here. Listen, we love our town. We love our people. Well, four and a half years ago when this all started, I didn't know you. I didn't know Camden. So it was just as crazy as God calling Noah to build an ark or Abraham to leave his hometown. Did, listen, I felt like if I could feel somebody, it's Abraham right now. Because Abraham had a good life. He was, came from a good family, had, all, had it all together. And God says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a city. He's like, yeah. I'm going to give you kids. He's all like, I don't even got one yet. But cool, I'm really old. Let's do this. He says, go. Leave your family. Leave everything you know. And just, and, and listen, here's the cool part. At least God gave me a place. You know what Abraham said? Abraham said, God, where are we going? I don't know. Just leave. 
Listen, this was God's word. I'll show you when we get there. Listen, most of you won't go to the store without a list, let alone leave your house if God said, hey, we're going to go on a trip and we'll just end somewhere. <laughs> no, no, we're not, we're not playing. God said, hey, listen, pack your bags. We're going to go to a new house. Cool, where's the house? Where, where are we going, God? I don't know yet, but it's going to be a really cool place. And Abraham takes his wife and leaves everything he knows. And listen, here's the thing. Abraham didn't leave sad. Because like, we would think, like, oh, he would be so sad. Like, no, it says that he, he left expectantly. Like, he left, like, see y'all, God's got something for me. And some of us need to start listening to God and going, okay, God, I'm so done with 2020 and 2021. I'm ready for 2022. And even though, listen, even though if it looks just like 21 and 2020, I'm going to walk into 2022 believing that there's something different in store for me because God has called me to this place. And so I'm going to walk faithfully out and not just, I'm not, okay, 2022, give us your best shot. And I'm coming in. I'm, let's go, God. Let's go. I'm believing, God, that you are going to do something awesome and amazing. You have something for me. And so if you've got something for me, help me to be faithful to it. Can I tell you this? Crazy faith is biblical faith. How many of you said, man, I wish I could have that person's faith. Man, it's just so strong. Oh, they must, God must have made him differently or her differently. Can I tell you that my faith is no different than the faith that you have? I wake up every single day and I get, I get depressed and lonely and, and worrisome and anxiety and all of that with everybody else. But it's the way we fight things and the way we instill our faith in us that causes it to be different. Well, I wish I could have Paul's faith, but man, he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. So you know that God gave him a little extra something, something. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. The same faith that gave Paul to write the New Testament is the same faith that sits inside of me and you to reach Camden, to reach your school, to reach your workplace, to reach all these different places. It's that same, listen, how cool is that? The same faith that raised Jesus from the grave sits in you. The question is, are you exercising it? Are you building it up inside of you? So let me go back to that statement that I made that faith cannot be 100% sure. It has to be trusted. And that's where we have an issue with faith. I have to trust that God has it all under control. I have to trust God with the things that I worry and stress about. I have to trust God with the choices that I'm going to make in life. And I've got to trust God with every ounce of me that he has the best for me. So I've got a couple of thoughts for you this morning. And the first one is this. Crazy faith starts with baby faith. Crazy faith starts with, listen, you don't go just get in the gym and start lifting 300 pounds. If you do, you bust something. You break something bad. Either that or you're just a beast. Like, like, listen, if you're like just walking in and you're just like Hercules lifting 300 pounds, like God bless you. I don't ever want to mess with you. But for the rest of us, it starts small. We got we to start somewhere. We got to put some foundation behind what we're going to do so that we can build that. And so faith is no different. We can't just come in and be like, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to go to town and just start doing whatever I want. And, and I'm going to start believing. And, and listen, your faith will be wrecked so quick the first time that it doesn't come through the way that you want it to. So you have to have baby faith. You don't believe me? Let's look at the scriptures. Matthew 17, 20. 
You, <laughs> I love Jesus. If Jesus preached in most of our churches, y'all, people would be wrecked. Jesus told them, you don't have enough faith. How would you like the son of God to look at you and be like, you don't have enough faith? He wasn't talking to unbelievers. He was talking to his disciples. So what, hap- what had happened, the, the quick pre-story is that they tried to cast a, de- a demon out of a kid and they couldn't do it. And then Jesus goes and he's just like, demon be gone, right? Demon's gone. And the disciples are like, how'd you do that? I, w- I want that. And Jesus looks at him and says, you don't have enough faith. He goes, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say this to the mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now, let me, let me, let me walk carefully with this scripture because it has been used a lot to damage people's faith. Because we will have pastors and preachers say stuff like, man, just preach whatever, just say it. Name it and claim it. In, in Jesus' name, you can have it. no. Because I've prayed for healing and it didn't happen. I, I, I've prayed for things and it didn't come true with the way that I wanted it to. And that's the perspective, is that the, the marrying of prayer, of a faith prayer, has to be, yes, I, can, I, I have the ability to speak out in Jesus' name. The Bible says, anything I ask. But the caveat is this, are we praying his will? Right, because what did Jesus do? Jesus went in the garden of Gethsemane. He's like, God, I know, listen, we had a plan. <laughs> Me, you, and the Holy Spirit, we kind of, how come I got the short end of the straw? I had to come down and be a human, thanks. And he said, if there's any other way to make this go away, let's do that. But the follow-up to that prayer was, but not my will, but yours be done. See, faith says, God, here's here's my heart's desire. Here's what I'm praying for. Here's what I want. But here's what I also know. You are a sovereign God. And so I want to marry my prayer to say, not my will, not what's easiest, not what's going to get me out of it. But God, if you you can make that happen, cool, awesome. But if you got to teach me something, then teach me something and let's walk at your will. That's real faith. It's not this name it and claim it, man, God, I want to have a million dollars in my bank account. You better have a really good job. Because I found that Jesus is not exactly in the bank deposit uh, system. Like, if so, he has skipped my bank account, okay? If it was that easy, I'd pray a whole lot of things into existence. But it's not. So what does baby faith really look like? Jesus says, if you just have the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell, and listen, I really believe he looked at the mountain and said, yep, that's the biggest thing here. If you had mustard seed faith, you could move that mountain. They're like, you crazy. But where does this mustard seed come from? Did you know that he, he was setting this scripture up a few, uh, a few chapters before? Because in Matthew 13, this is what he says about a mustard seed. He said, here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it, it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. See, what Jesus was saying, what seems insignificant at start grows into something amazing with a purpose. 
How can that mustard seed do anything purposeful? It's so small, so tiny, it doesn't even know what it is. And yet it grows to the largest garden plant and into a tree and produces purpose for, for not just the mustard, but, but also for the birds to make nests and for life to grow around and be in it. And see, that's what Jesus is saying about our faith. It may look insignificant at first. Man, when you come to know Jesus, you don't even know how to use it, right? You don't even know how to use Like, how do I use this thing? I don't, I don't, I don't know. You start praying for things. I don't care. I'll just do it. Like, I love that, that fresh baby faith because you're like, I'll pray for it. Listen, I'll, let's go. I'll knock some demon teeth out. <laughs> Listen, go for it. Do your thing. But the, the more seasons you get, it's like we get jaded as Christians. <sighs> I've prayed for that before. Got it. Yeah, whatever. Whatever? Like that the enemy would get you so soured on the fact that God could do something that you, you stop even asking for. Little, little faith. Don't, 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 oh, I'm going I'm to I'm grow my faith this year. I'm going to read two hours a day. Okay. Have fun with that. If you're a reader, maybe that's a cool, that's a starting spot. Listen, for me, two hours in, I'm like sleeping. <laughs> Just being real. I don't get Bible, nonfiction, self, I don't care what it is. Like if, if I read for two hours, it better be amazingly captivating. Like, because I'm not a reader. Like, I'm waiting for the Bible to come out in a movie form. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like, Jesus, speak to me. Like, oh, I'm putting on chapter 3, verse 4. You know, like, like let it come to life. But Jesus says, what, what about baby faith? So baby faith says, maybe, maybe I haven't been in my word enough. And so, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in it five minutes a day. You know, I don't, I don't pray every day. So I'm going to start with 10 minutes of prayer. I would rather have somebody dedicated, I know God would rather have somebody dedicated for 15 minutes solely focused on his word and spending time with him than somebody trying to force it for two hours going, I just got to get to that two hour mark. Come on alarm. Let's go. Like, no, you ain't doing anybody any favors. Baby faith. Faith begins with little steps and little actions. So if you want a godly relationship, baby faith prays for your spouse and prepares that, for that certain lifestyle beforehand. Ooh, they, don't, they don't wait. Oh, man, when I get that spouse, mm, we're going to love Jesus and we're going to serve him together. How are you going to do that? you got to prepare beforehand. Before I ever met Stephanie, I was praying for her. That sounds creepy. <laughs> Wasn't in my room. Jesus, you know that cute little girl in teen youth group? Yeah. You got her. We were teenagers together, okay? So that sounds really creepy as an adult. Um, we were both teenagers. She's older than me, okay? It wasn't like that. Matter of fact, the, the funny part now, I, you know, those stories are better left unsaid. Squirrels playing ping pong, we're going to stop them, okay? So, but seriously, like, our youth pastor taught us, pray for your spouse. So as a teenager at 14 years old, 14, I, part of my daily prayers was, God, you know the type of wife that I want. You know that I want her to love you. You know that I want her to serve you. And so God, help me to become the young man that I need to be, that when I am ready for her, I will be prepared to love her like you love her. 14. Oh, you, yeah, but you're a pastor now. I was dumb back then, though. 
Like, I wasn't, I was baby faith. Like, I was baby, baby faith. Couldn't quote John 3.16. Like, I just, my pastor said, start praying for my spouse. So I was like, well, what kind of spouse do I want? Let's put her together, Jesus. Didn't know that she was going to be my best friend first. Didn't know that, that we were going to, like, I remember the day still that we were sitting on the gazebo, sitting there. Let's talk. She said, she said, she said, Scott, we got to talk. I said, okay. I'm a dumb 16-year-old boy. I'm like, follow the pretty girl. <laughs> Sit down at the gazebo, and she's like, I got to tell you something. I'm like, cool, what's up? I got to tell you something, too. And, and we're sitting there talking. I remember, like, Plain as day, I can, this, this image is burned into my brain until I'm like 85 and like decrepit. Um, and so we're sitting there and she's all, um, I believe that God told me that you're going to be my husband. I'm like, when do we say I do? <laughs> hey. No, really, I, I, the, the funny part, <laughs> I joke about it, but I remember because it was so crazy because God had already been speaking to me as well. And it not, was, not because she was pretty and I was chasing pretty, but man, like, she was pretty, but she also had an attitude. So, um, <laughs> who wants to go to lunch afterwards? <laughs> but, but so, so God had started to speak to me as well. And I was like, it's weird at 16 when God starts to say, that's going to be your spouse. And you're like, yeah, she's pretty. She ain't going to want me. <laughs> what, what hypnotizing are we doing on her? Like, you know what I mean? And then she says that, and I'm like, and then she follows it up with this word, but I don't like you. <laughs> okay, Jesus, we got some works to do. Okay, okay. Crazy Faith has that weird conversation at 16. Now listen, this is not, if you young in here, that's not how this rolls. That was definitely Jesus. Okay, because 18 years later, I can say that we're happily married, but we've gone through hell. We really have. I mean, we've, I, listen, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, we've walked through some things in our marriage that probably would have had other people divorced. But faith doesn't let go. Because when God speaks, you fight for stuff. And whether it's a, a relationship or a job or, or your finances, when God speaks truth. And he says, this is what I have for you. Man, you say, let's go. Because we've walked through it. Like, it sounds cute. And it sounds funny. And listen, it is. We could probably make a Hallmark movie out of it uh, somewhere along the line. There's plenty of gazebos that we could do this in. Okay? And, and, but, but here's the thing. Is that that part that sounds cute at 16, when it grows fangs and is married and starts, like, stop saying I love you for two months, oh yeah, we gotta ask if, if crazy faith is gonna hold it together. Baby faith prays for the spouse in the marriage so that when the crazy faith is needed, it's there. Baby faith says, I want to get my finances in order. Baby faith says, commit to God your money and set up different accounts and financial plans. Because it ain't just going to happen. Like, it's not just going to magically happen. You want to have a savings account? Guess what the first step of having a savings account is? Opening a savings account. The second step, putting money in the savings account. It's not magic. It's hard, but it's not magic. I don't, I don't have enough. Okay, well, you got, anybody got $5 that they're going to go blow on something this week? Go put it in a savings account. And then do that every single time you want to blow $5. It'll add up. I don't have a big retirement fund, but I've got something. Why? Because at some point, I'd like to retire. 
I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I'll have something to at least pull from. Because baby faith says, I may not have what I want to put into it, but I'm going to start. Baby faith says, if I want to get that promotion or, 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 or change jobs or, or whatever, that maybe I need to go back to school and take that one class, or, or maybe I need to learn from my boss. See, baby faith has just small steps. Baby faith produces bigger faith because we get to see God's faithfulness. There's an activity on our part that produces the will of God in our life. And that's that baby faith. It's just, man, you know what? And and here's what the cool part is. Baby faith says one step at a time. And when I see God faithfully in that one step, man, it encourages me to take that next step. And that next step. And that next step. Man, I I, want to be the husband. I want to be the the spouse, the wife. I want to be the mom or the dad that God has called me to be. Then you got to start somewhere. And it's okay to make mistakes. Don't let fear paralyze you. So crazy faith starts with baby faith. Crazy faith also focuses on Jesus. Crazy faith does not focus on stuff. It does not uh, focus on what he can give you. It does not focus on the product of Jesus. It focuses on Jesus. Colossians 2, 6 through 10. And now, just if you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Say, follow him. Keep you engaged. Let your roots... Grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Thanksgiving. Don't let anyone capture... Now listen, so the first part of this scripture is really key because it's about being connected to Jesus, right? It is the following him. Now, but here's the second part because I think this is extremely important. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are all so complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Listen, here's the key. Following what is good versus what sounds good. There's a lot of things, and there's a lot of uh, gurus out there, right? You know, influencers. I like that, that title. I'm just going to start calling myself an influencer. Influence people. I told my daughter, I said, I, I influence more, more people than most of your people on Instagram. No. They've got 750,809 billion trillion followers. Yeah, but how many of them are they actually life-changing? So they told you how to put your makeup on fleek, but did they tell you how to change your heart? See, it's real easy to get on a little screen and and influence people that will never, ever, 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 ever actually meet you. It's a lot harder to get like this and say, let's let's roll life together. Let's let's don't follow me. I'm a messed up human being, okay? But I'm trying to point you to Jesus. He's the one I'm following. I want you to follow him too, because he's a really cool dude. And he's changed my life. Right? And so, and so Jesus says, or what, what uh, Paul says in Colossians here, says, listen, there's a lot of people that are going to say a lot of flowery things and, and a lot of philosophies and a lot of high-sounding, educated things. But if it is not grounded in the Word of God and if it doesn't look like Jesus, then you need to run from it. Your faith muscle grows when it's exercised. So it's like every other muscle. You, wanna, you hit the gym, you want to, you know, get bulked up. Maybe you just want to slim down. You go exercise. Can I tell you that your faith is no different? 
So if you want to see Jesus do some really amazing, cool things in your life, then you've got to start exercising the faith muscle that says, hey, God, how do you do those really cool and awesome things? How do I? I'm going to preach. Um, can I tell you that I get really sick of people? And, and listen, t- tuck your toes, okay? I'm just going to look up at the lights. Pretty lights. Not really. They, though, they make me see lots of little pretty dots, okay? Uh, you all look like purple floating heads, okay? So uh, he, here's the thing. The enemy has stolen the church's voice and expects that a pastor or a worship leader or a a devotion leader or whatever to be the only person that has the ability to speak in faith, to pray in faith, to lead in faith. And I'm telling you that when, when we as a church realize that each and every one of us have a voice that is powerful within the kingdom of God, then man, the enemy starts to get really nervous because when people like Emily start to realize that her voice can be used to shake the heavens or Hannah or Eric, or Rodney, or let me just go down the list of people that are here. But when you find your voice spiritually, powerfully, faithfully in who Jesus is, then the enemy starts to go, oh crap, they done woke up. Pastor, just pray for me. Pray for yourself. You have the same faith that I do. You have the same connection to Jesus as I do. Now, that's not saying that I won't pray for you because the Bible says that we need to pray for each other. We need to pray together. We need to hold each other up. But I'm telling you that you need to find your voice within a faithfulness of God to say, I too have a voice that can pray heaven down. So the next time pastor says, who wants to pray? We're fighting over who's praying. No, I want heaven to hear my voice today. I want, I want the enemy to be so scared that when I wake up and I say, good morning, God, it goes, oh, God, make him go to sleep, please. Can I tell you that when, when the church finds that power, mm mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait for that day. Y'all, I get excited for those days because here's the day. I I believe it. I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming for our church. I don't know about every other church. I can't pastor them. I can pastor here. We're going to go after the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of his people. And we're going to grow our faith muscle. Every day we have choices in stepping out and believing in faith. Faith looks at the world differently. It doesn't go into your jobs and go, listen, I did that this week too, okay? But I got put in check as well. Man, what if you woke up every morning and said, God, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, but help me to be faithful when I'm doing it. What you focus on determines what you will follow. What are you focusing on? You focusing on the worry, the stress, the anxiety? Or are you focusing on how that person that you work with, just you absolutely can't stand, their, uh, stand them? They've got bad breath and they dress funny? You focus on the fact that your kids are always crazy and all you want to do is like tie them up and put them in a closet. It's okay to think those thoughts every now and then. Just acting out on them may be a little bit different story. It's what we focus on is what we will follow. And so when we, we're, we're, we're led off and all of, we feel like all of our ducks are off, we're just running off in a row, like they're not in a row, they're just like running around, then, then we need to go back to Jesus and say, okay, God, I'm following you. 
I'm not following Instagram. I'm not following TikTok. I'm not following this influencer or this uh, uh, political system. I'm not following what my friends want. I'm not following per, uh, perfection. I'm not following popularity. I am following the faithfulness of my God and what he's called me to. It's fear over faith. How many remember the uh, story of Jesus napping? Right? In a boat, crazy wind, storms going all around it. They're all freaking out. We're going to die. We're going to die. Oh, we're going to drown. Anybody ever been on a boat where you were fearful that you were going to drown? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it felt like that. And what's Jesus doing? He's like, hey. And what happens? His disciples come running in and they're like, Jesus, the heck are you doing? We're we dying. We're out there like about to drown. And Jesus wakes up and he's all like, once again, you lack faith. He said, I was having a good nap. He says, I think what Jesus really wanted to say was, come join. Let's get our nap on. It's okay. And then what's he do? He gets up and he says, winds be quiet, storm be quiet, go away. Y'all interrupt my nap. Everything gets still. And he teaches them about faith. Why? Because he said, listen, you had your focus on the fear when you should have had it on the faith. And if, if your faith is, is in the right place, then you will sleep through the storm. How can I have peace when, it's, when I'm financially struggling? Put your faith in Jesus. I told you about when, when, when COVID lasted too long and I thought the church was just going to go under and I'm like, oh, well, here we go. It lasted while it did. Good job. Okay, thank you, COVID. Um, and and I, I, I could have, if I would have bit into the fear, I think everything the next two years would have lasted, would have gone differently. I have no doubt that if I would have fed into the fear, our doors may have shut. But let me be transparent for a moment. I believe that if I would have said, oh God, oh, the boat's going down. What do we do? Jesus would have been like, well, I picked the wrong person. But you know what I did? I freaked out for a second and then I said, I'm gonna go to bed. I can't, like, this is what I did. I needed to sleep. So I went upstairs and I laid down and I put some worship music on and a song called Peace Be Still came on and Jesus said, it's time to take a nap. It's time to trust me. Do you trust me? Yes, I do. Do you think that you're going to wake up and this is going to be uh, better? Nope. But do you trust me? Yep. And so I went to sleep praying, God, you know what I don't. So I woke up the next morning and I had a peace. Did I have the answers? Nope. <laughs> I knew our bank account was going in the wrong direction. I knew I couldn't take a paycheck anymore, but Jesus, you're good. And so I got to trust you. And so I stepped out every day and said, okay, God, what you got for me? And we could stand here two years later almost. Well, a year and a half later, our bank account's gone in the right direction. Church is still here. Look around. It's a great Sunday. It's really full in here. This is our year. Faith in action. We're going to do it. Why? Because we're not going to freak out in the moment. We're going to trust God, and we're going to take a nap. <laughs> Crazy faith also aims to please God. Ooh, what are you pleasing? Listen, Hebrews 11.6. I promise you, we are close to that. It's 11.08. We are wrapping it up. I say round and third, but I think y'all are getting sick of that saying. 
Hebrews 11.6. And it is impossible. Say impossible. Okay, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The key to pleasing God is faith. The key to faith is sincerely seeking him. Our aim is not the gift, but the giver. This is why so many faith problems get answered because we are seeking the gift instead of the giver. Oh God, my finances are a mess. You gotta make it better tomorrow. No, Jesus, I need you in my life. With you in my life, I know that you're going to help me shift and change some things. God, my relationship is a mess. Will you just make them better? <laughs> Anybody ever prayed that? Don't raise your hands. Unless you're talking about somebody else, right? But <laughs> listen, if, you're in a, if you are in a marriage or a relationship and you love Jesus, at some point you prayed a prayer that said, sounded something like this. Jesus, you better fix them. Or I'm going to fix them. <laughs> right? And so, but, but what happens when we align our faith with that is that we go, God, there may be some things in them, but your word says that I need to focus on me first. And so, Jesus, I'm asking that you and me get together, and I'm, I'm seeking after you. And it's amazing what happens. When you seek God and your aim is to please him, he starts to do things in you that changes you, which also changes the person around you, which also changes the perspective of the people around you, and it changes things. Maybe not overnight, but through the process that when we choose to go after the giver and not the gift, Things change. I'm not after what he can provide. I'm after his provision. Right? What did he say? It is his will be done, not mine. So I, I, I put this on here because it could be really confusing uh, without seeing it. But, but this thought came to my thought that it's God's presence that gives purpose to his presence. <laughs> say that ten times fast right? It's his presence. It's, it's us seeking him and saying, God, I need you real in my life. I need you to show up. I'm going to go to my prayer closet. I'm going to go to my prayer time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to the altar and I'm going to worship you, Jesus, and I want your presence in my life. And when I do that, his presence creates purpose. So when I talk to people, it's now different. When I interact with people, it's now different. When I go to the store, it's different. When I go to my workplace, when I'm in relationship, it's different. When I have friends, it's different. Everything I do now has a different kind of swing to it. That when I go and live my life, I'm now living out of his presence, and then his presence have a blessing that flow from it. I would rather pursue his presence than his provisions. And every, listen, everything changed for people in the Bible when they realized that it was about the presence of God. David it changed for him when he realized that it was about his presence and not just about a, a, a cool box. When he went to go get the presence of God and he didn't respect it, people died. But when, when he understood that the presence of God was so powerful and so real that when they went to get it a second time because the blessing was flowing into the house that they left it and they brought it back into uh, where it should have been, the temple, he gets so excited, he starts dancing. Some of y'all are like, no, we don't do that here. Like, he's straight, like, Holy Ghost dancing. So much so that it says that he danced out of his outer clothes. 
Hey, King David. <laughs> Your groove thing's showing. Like, that's what the Bible said. It said that he danced out of his outer clothes. In other words, listen, he wasn't naked. He was in his underwear, but his underwear as a king was like another long robe, okay? So, but it was still shameful for him. His wife is yelling at him, you undignified fool. And he looked at her and said, you ain't seen undignified yet, woman. Look it up. It's in the Bible. Y'all think I'm joking. That's in the Bible. It says, I ain't even began to become undignified. If you think this kind of worship is bad, oh, you better wait. Because when, when Jesus shows up, mm, we're going to get it on. We're going to rock it. We're going to worship him. Because when Jesus' presence show up, undignified or dignified goes out the window. Makeup starts running. See, we come to church trying to look up, look good. We should come to, come to church praying that your mascara runs. <laughs> you, you should, listen, you should come to church hoping that there is something that happens so deeply inside of you that emotionally you can't hold it together. And, and I get it. Listen, um, the, I'll say something stupid right now. All you born-again Baptists that are here. <laughs> oh, man, Jesus, help us. Listen, listen, listen. It's nothing against Baptists. I love Baptists. I got a lot of Baptist friends. But listen, this is how y'all were taught to worship, is it not? Listen, when you get to heaven, I think, I think some of y'all are going to be really nervous trying to find the back row for the Baptists, and there ain't none. So we're in the back row. Nope, all of heaven's together. Pentecostals, the, the crazy folks are over here, but did they do their thing? Listen, when God's spirit shows up, I promise you, there, there's things that you're not going to be able to control. Now listen, what I'm not saying is we're not freaks. We're not uncontrollable, and we're not within balance of who God is. God is a God of order. But he's also a God of emotion. And so I think some of the greatest things about faith is that he allows us to experience him in such a real way that we go, oh, you know what? It's okay to be a little emotional at church. It's okay to experience God in this real way that maybe it causes me to feel a little out of control emotionally, but man, I've never felt more free because I've let him have all of me. Not just the parts that I can control. Crazy faith aims to please God. Not what everybody, man, what if, what, if every, what if everybody thinks that I'm a crazy person if I raise my hands in worship? Let them think that. Did they, did they save your soul? Did they die on a cross so that you could get to heaven? Did, did, they, did they give you purpose and breathe life into you? No. So let's worship and let's live our lives in a way that honors and pleases God and not what everybody else thinks. The last thing is crazy faith waits well. <laughs> I hate this one. Crazy faith waits. When God told me this, I was like, nope, we ain't preaching that, Jesus. <laughs> Crazy faith waits well. Listen, Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right moment, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we what? Don't give up. This doesn't sound super deep or theological. Don't give up. I'm telling you right now, don't give up. In a month from now, when you're faced with a very tough challenge, don't give up. 
after you've committed to, to, to making your finances in line with Jesus and, and you get that unexpected bill, that water heater goes out, <laughs> that car part breaks, yeah. Or, or worse yet, you have to go get a new car because the car just said, I'm done. But God, I, ah, okay, we'll start next year. No, 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 no. Wait well. Don't give up. Stay committed to the cause. Stay committed to the purpose that God is speaking to you. I believe that there are things that God is speaking to each and every one of us of what life looks like. And each of us have different things, whether it's finances, relationships, jobs, whether it's spiritual growth. And I think a lot of that is for everybody, spiritual growth. But we've got to not give up. Don't give up. I'll use our word from last year. Keep digging. Keep believing for miracles. Keep praying. Keep studying. Keep asking. That scripture that says if uh, those who uh, knock at the door, that he's there, you know, that, that knock, ask, seek uh, scripture, you know, if you actually read it the way that it was written in the, uh, the Hebrew and the, the Jewish writing, it actually says, knock, keep knocking. Ask, keep asking. Seek, keep seeking. It's not a one-time thing. It's a, I'm, I'm knocking at the door, Jesus. Hey, hey, I'm here again. Good morning. Let's do life. Man, don't give up. Whatever it is that God has placed in your heart, you can't stop when it seems hard or you don't see a way out. You have to keep going if you want to see the fulfillment. This year, we're going to be a church that's faithful, full of faith so that we can live faithfully to God for our community. Will you bow your heads with me? Listen. One of the most powerful things that we could ever do is to say, God, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to live your life the way that you want me to. Maybe you're sitting in here, you've never even, even said that. Maybe you've heard of things like the sinner's prayer or, or you've heard of things like give your life to Christ. I'm telling you, it's very simple. Jesus didn't make it any other thing than to say, come and follow me. Maybe you've never made that decision to follow him before. God, I am following you. I'm choosing your ways, not mine. If you're in here and today you want to say that I want to commit my life to follow him. You've never prayed that or made that statement and you want to today, man, that's the greatest decision you could ever make. If that's you, just I, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Just say amen. God said, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to choose. I've done it my way. I've done a lot of things wrong. I've done, I've done messed up. I've done, made my own way in life. I want this, this faith that you're talking about, Pastor Scott. So I'm choosing Jesus today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. God sees those hands. As a church, would you, would you join me in, in praying this simple prayer? There's no magic to the prayer. It's... It, it's the heart of the person who's praying that's, that, that matters to God. Because the Bible says that, that we are to profess with our mouth and believe in our heart. And so we're doing the believing in our heart. Now we're going to profess with our mouth. Will you pray with me? Say this after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you. You died on a cross. And you thought of me. You took my sin. My hurt. My pain. And washed it away. So I choose you. 
choose to follow you. I choose to have faith in you. And every day, I will live that faith out. Strengthen me, God, to choose your way. In Jesus' name we pray. And Father, I pray for those that raise their hand. I pray for those that maybe just felt it in their spirit and, and, and maybe they just hadn't come to the place where they can raise their hand up yet. But they believed it in their heart. That life change happened right here. God, build them up, encourage them, and strengthen them. God, I pray that they would get in their word and, and just spend a little time with you every day. That they would spend some time in prayer. They would, they would, they would throw some worship music on or, or just find a way to connect with you daily. God, I speak faith into the lives of your people that are sitting here today and those that are watching online. I speak faith, but not this flowy out there faith that just happens to do what it wants to do, but God, faith that is active, that we build up like a muscle. Crazy faith that says, I'm gonna start with baby steps. Crazy faith that says, I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus and not the world around me. Crazy faith that says that I'm gonna aim to please my Father and not the people around me. And crazy faith that is willing to wait well and do good all in the time, waiting for God to show up when he chooses to. I speak that faith over our people. Not just to make them have a great day, but so that they can go and impact the world around them and change lives and speak life into people. That Camden would be different because people like us are rising up and choosing now faith. We bless you, Father. We thank you. I pray an amazing week ahead for each and every one of us. Give us opportunities to speak of your glory, your goodness, your fame in our life. That we would bring people back here with us next week. Ready to do this all over again to proclaim your goodness and to build your kingdom here on earth. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.